Hi, and welcome to Strangers on the Internet, a podcast about making online dating work for you. My name is Irina Manta, and I am a professor at the Maurice A. Dean School of Law at Hofstra University. And I'm Michelle Lang, a senior lecturer in psychology at Christopher Newport University in Virginia and a clinical psychologist in private practice. All views expressed in this podcast are our own and not our employers. Last time, we talked about the first chats that take place via dating apps. Today, we are going to turn to setting up and going on first and second dates. Let's assume the interaction is going well online, and it would be fun to take things a step further. Again, I would let men make the first move in heterosexual situations for the reasons regarding emotional labor and flakiness we mentioned in earlier episodes. Before COVID, I would have generally said one might as well go directly from chatting to meeting up if one is reasonably geographically close. Now, during the pandemic, it might be worth having a call or video chat first before deciding whether to invest further resources. Needless to say, a call or video chat should also not be viewed as opportunities to introduce sexual content in creepy ways. Honestly, pandemic or not, there could be a value to a video chat first. This is really down to personal preference. I don't usually do this, but I have done this. And what I appreciated about it was verifying that the person actually looks like their pictures. And I was able to get a feel for if we had a good conversational flow before I bothered to go on an actual date. If you're a busy person, it is definitely convenient to not have to get dressed up, factor in driving time or spend money. And if you have kids at home, you don't have to get a babysitter. And if you don't feel the connection, it doesn't feel like as much of a time investment. But for some people, they'd rather just get straight to meeting in person. Let's say it's time for the first in-person interaction. It's best to keep things simple in terms of the setting. A drink or coffee, outdoors, if that's what makes the most sense given local COVID conditions, are potentially good options. Basically, suggest or agree to things that won't pressure you into a multi-hour interaction if you don't click. Also, consider finding out your date's COVID vaccination status before you finalize getting together and both take rapid tests that day to play it safe. It's possible that at some point in all these interactions, your match will ask to communicate with you outside of the dating app platform. If you feel comfortable doing so, you can exchange phone numbers, but we would especially advise women to create and give out a Google Voice number rather than their regular phone number. I personally do not want to give out my actual phone number until after a first in-person date so that if I don't want to see or hear from that person again, I don't have to worry about it. It's just a nice, clean break. As I've mentioned in an earlier episode, I learned this one the hard way. I had to change my phone number and consider whether I needed to get the police involved after a guy I had a couple of text exchanges with kept harassing me via text. We also recommend doing a Google search on your date before you go out. Make sure the personal and professional information from the other person checks out, including on sites such as LinkedIn. LinkedIn is tricky, though, because if you click on it rather than just see the listing in a Google search, if you are also logged into LinkedIn on that device, the person might be able to see that you search them, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but could be a problem if you don't want them to know your LinkedIn info. If you do decide to actually click, you could try to feel out if the person seems legit. For example, do they have lots of connections within their field or do they have suspiciously few connections, like someone who could be catfishing? Whether on LinkedIn or anything else that you're Googling yields, dig deeper if anything suspicious shows up. Check your state's sex offender database as well. 
I've even gone so far as to use a Spokio.com background check, not for a first date, but after a few dates as I was deciding if I wanted to be more serious about someone. I just checked and it would have cost me less than a dollar to do one today. And I hate that we have to think and talk like this, but the reality is there are some predatory people out there and it's always better to be safe than sorry. And on that note, it's probably worth adding that when you search, finding nothing about the person could be suspicious in its own right. Maybe they're just really good at keeping mention of themselves off the internet, which honestly, I see as goals. I like my privacy. But it could also mean that they aren't who they say they are. If you can't find much, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means there's less you know, so even more reason to take a conservative approach in getting to know them. Obviously, the first step to looking into all of this is finding out the person's first and last names. It's perfectly fine to ask them for this information. I mean, probably they told you their first name, but if it's something like CJ or initials, something like that, it's fine to ask what it stands for and to ask for their last name. That being said, not everyone will feel comfortable giving that information. And there may be a gender imbalance here. As a woman, I will not give my last name before actually going on a date with somebody. And that's because I date men, and statistically speaking, men are much more likely than women to stalk or harass. So it's a decision I make for my safety until I feel comfortable enough with someone to disclose the kind of information that makes me easier to find. But I would absolutely ask a man his last name so I could try to search him. It seems hypocritical, but it really isn't. It's equitable. Men statistically pose more of a threat to others than women, particularly when romantic or sexual feelings are involved. And I don't know enough about you yet to give you the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's the way to look at it. Even after all of this, doing these things in advance of the date doesn't provide a guarantee of safety. So you should definitely meet in a public place first. On whichever date you decide to retire somewhere more private, and especially if you're the physically more vulnerable party, let a friend know where you are, with whom, and at what time you will check in. Giving an address or license plate number to your friend can make eminent sense. Any match with basic empathy skills will understand the need to do these things. Let's say you've gone on a date. Who should contact whom after? There are no hard and fast rules. But in heterosexual situations, we would advise most women to wait for the man to reach out. This, again, may seem conservative, but it is rather the opposite. It shows whether the man is willing to put in a minimum of emotional labor. This should ultimately even out, and after the first two or three dates, a comfort level should be established that leads to both daters proposing plans equally. If things didn't go great after the first or second date, should you proactively let the other party down? Unless you have reason to fear an abusive answer, it's fine and polite to send a text saying you're not feeling it romantically. It might read something like, I enjoyed meeting you, but I don't think we're the right match. Wishing you all the best. Or, I think we have more of a friend's vibe than romantic chemistry. I hope you find the best match for you. If you've been seeing the person for a while, consider breaking things off face-to-face -face, or at least via phone or video chat rather than text or email. And as we've said before, do not ghost. Just show basic decency and letting them know you're not interested. It isn't hard at all. And the alternative feels so terrible to the person on the receiving end, or I guess the receiving of nothing end. And if it's you on the receiving end of such a breakup or conversation, try to be gracious about it so long as the other person has acted ethically towards you. 
There are many reasons things don't work out, and you have absolutely nothing to gain by being rude in response. Even if you're hurt, this person is telling you they don't see a future with you in it, so what good will it do for them to know you are hurt? Go talk to a trusted friend about upset feelings if something like this happens. We've also heard it suggested that many men treat the first date differently than many women do. And so it could be that you and your date weren't actually on the same page about the aims of that first time meeting up. That obviously isn't true of all men and all women. And it may also be true that two men or two women may have different ideas of the point of a first date. But looking at trends, women are more likely to use early dates to test compatibility, while men seek to impress on those early dates. So if that's the case, it would make sense for a woman to feel like a first date went great and then be surprised when she never hears from the man again or if he tells her the chemistry wasn't there for him because he may have figured that out but not let on to her because he was in impress mode. Or conversely, if the person who was in compatibility testing mode is the one to say they're not interested and the other person was like, I thought it went well. Maybe it was a pleasant enough one-time event but if that person didn't get a sense of compatibility, even though it was nice, they have to focus their efforts on finding a match with whom they see a potential future. And again, this doesn't have to follow gender lines. Crossed wires can happen between any compatibility mode and impress mode first daters and can happen for a variety of reasons other than that as well. Nobody said dating was easy. And on the flip side, see our first date or so went really well. Well, it's normal and healthy to get excited about meeting someone fun a phenomenon also known as NRE, or New Relationship Energy. It is best to view early positive interactions with cautious optimism. Most people can keep up a certain image for a few dates or even a couple of months, and they're not necessarily doing this to trick or mislead you. They may just really be interested in you and are trying to be the kind of person you're interested in. Or they may have recently decided they want to make a change in their life, do a better job of something, or be a better person in some way. And they come across like that's the person they already are rather than that's the kind of person they're working to become. Cracks in that facade will most likely be apparent within a couple of months. Instead, long-term actions speak the loudest. One of the critical questions is what happens after the first time a couple has sex. Again, we would advise straight women to wait for the man to contact them after that. Whether he shows the same or ideally even increased level of excitement as before is a relevant indicator about whether she was more than a conquest to him. More generally, this brings us to the topic of the importance of consistency in behavior. A number of people, not a few of them straight men, engage in love bombing in the early phases. Love bombing can take the form of excessive enthusiasm, early declarations of being in love, sometimes lavish romantic gifts, etc., Individuals on the narcissistic personality disorder spectrum will often use such behaviors to real inmates. Once the mate is secured, narcissists will change their behavior and go from early idealization of their mate to later devaluation. This can start a toxic cycle where they only behave well when in fear of losing the mate, if at all. Sometimes they are abusive throughout, including when their victims want to get the hell out. Of course, not everyone who acts super excited in the beginning is a love bomber. My husband told me on our fourth date that he loves me, and he didn't suddenly turn into a narcissist in our five years together. But it's good to be aware that love bombing exists, especially so one understands the dynamic if Prince Charming suddenly turns into a cold-hearted frog and knows to distance oneself rather than thinking one can change the person back. 
Even if you're not dealing with a straight up narcissist, inconsistent attitudes towards you can be an early sign of the person you're seeing either trying to be someone they're really not, having a disrespectful nature, or an indicator that they have lost interest. Don't throw yourself into emotional labor to win back someone who is uncommunicative or stingy with their affection. Consider bringing up what's bothering you if you are interested in working through it, but seek out greener pastures if the problematic behavior continues. sum up what we covered today. Do your homework about an individual's background before meeting up and always meet in public first while also considering COVID safety. Expect consistent behavior, look out for narcissists, and only stick around if there is mutual respect. So we've talked about trying to find out some information about the person you're seeing. Irina, do you have any cautionary tales of where doing that helped you out? Well, I can tell you a few stories about things that I've done in terms of safety measures and that friends of mine have done that have definitely turned out to be uh, a good idea. So for one, I was on a second date with somebody and before getting into a car with that person, because he was going to drive us back from the place where we had uh, eaten that evening, I wrote down the person's license plate and texted it to a friend of mine. And not only did I do that, but I actually told him intentionally that I was doing that. So I was essentially sending a signal of, hey, don't get ideas in terms of shady behavior because somebody out there is going to know who you are. And he got extremely upset about this. And he was calling me paranoid and all kinds of stuff like that. He really made the situation very, very unpleasant really showing to me that at the very least, he does not understand what it's like to be a woman dating out there, which really by the age we were, by our 30s, is something he should have been well aware of. It also really did make me wonder what exactly he was planning on doing had I not uh, taken that action. I can tell you that at the end of that second date, he said that he was now going to go home to go watch violent porn. So that's kind of all I needed to know. Uh, Another story is that I have a friend who decided to Google somebody before going on a date. And that's how uh, she found out that that person uh, had had a restraining order taken out against him by an ex-partner. And again, think about how few pieces of information we have about people on dating apps. So this is pretty key. And she decided not to take the chance and not to go out with this person. And I think that makes a lot of sense. What about you, Michelle? Yeah, well, gosh, I really feel like we should come back just to circle back to that first story you told, because that is super concerning. And like you said, like I'm hearing you say this, and I can only think those seem like kind of the only two reasons somebody would take offense at you letting them know that you are letting a friend know who you're with. Because like you said, either it's one, they actually plan on doing something wrong, Uh, that you should be letting a friend know about, or two, they really just lack the basic empathy and understanding, or they're making everything so about them that they're going to take offense and prioritize how it sounds to them over your safety. You know, as we have said earlier in this episode, we cannot afford to give people the benefit of the doubt when we don't know anything about them. So Everyone out there, it is way more important to stay safe. And if somebody takes offense at that, that is a red flag. 
uh, either of their maturity level or of some not so great intentions. I would imagine, I can't think of other good reasons for that. And then what he said about, I'm going home to watch violent porn. Okay, does not help your case there, buddy. And really, really makes me worry about what this guy might have had planned. So I was going to say my story is actually more like your friends that you were just mentioning. One that I thought of was I had been chatting with somebody for a little while and we decided to meet up. And at that point, I was like, well, let me Google him and see what I can find out. I had his first name. I didn't, I don't think I asked his last name, but I had some information about him just that I had picked up in conversation. Like I knew what field he was in, things like that. Maybe I did have his last name, um, but I, I Googled him and I found out he was a convicted felon who had recently gotten out of prison. And you know, I felt torn about that because obviously if somebody has done the time for whatever their crime was, you know, I don't want to hold that against them. But at the same time, A, given the nature of whatever that crime was, that may be relevant to how safe or comfortable you feel going out with that person. In this case, it wasn't a safety concern for me, but it was a concern for other reasons. Um, honestly, the biggest reason, which I told him was, I would imagine having been in prison for a while, as he had been, that you probably have got some traumatic events you need to work through, a lot you need to process. And I am just not at the point right now where I really have that emotional energy. I'm more in, I was at the time in more casual dating mode than, you know, I am a therapist. I really didn't have it in me to be somebody's therapist slash girlfriend. And so I, I expressed to him, my concern was more about just the recency at which he was out of prison. And I told him, I wish him the best, but I just was not at the position where that was going to make sense for me as far as dating. And, and so I'm glad I did the background check. He had obviously had not mentioned that to me. Um, and he had told me when I, I did reach out and said, hey, I'm going to cancel our date based on what I found when I Googled you. And he was upset about it. And he said, I would have told you when we first met, which I said, okay, that's fine. But Another thing was I have a child and obviously I'm not with her father. And I said, this is the kind of thing he might take an issue with. And I can't, I don't know you at all. Giving you the benefit of the doubt in any kind of way is not going to be worth it to me in terms of creating a potential area of concern with my co-parent. And so I said to him too, you know, this is something you really might want to let mothers know if you are planning on potentially dating other mothers because they have to factor in things like, would this be relevant to their child safety or could cause a problem with their co-parent? And so those were some issues where I was really glad I did the background check on, or the Google search, I guess, on this particular guy. No, that makes a lot of sense. And there are many situations where there could be all kinds of legal ramifications for you that this person has in no way considered um, depends on you know you never know i mean there are people who have all kinds of unfortunately custody issues come up things go back to court or something like that and so all of that could become relevant but you know what i was going to say also um earlier is i'm getting a bit of a sense that there are some men who to them it's almost like ideological 
to oppose women seeking all these like safety measures. It's often the same kinds of men that are afraid that women will quote unquote falsely accuse them of rape or of sexual harassment. Uh, something that we know from studies is actually quite uncommon. So they are, they are magnifying uh, something that is really not the kind of problem that they seem to think it is or want to think it is. And so they, you know, it's, it's the same people that, that tend to think that, well, if you women, right, if you women want equality, then you should act equally in all areas of life. And so therefore, for example, with the last name thing, if I'm going to give you my last name, you need to give me your last name. And like you said, it just doesn't work like that. First of all, we do not currently live in an equal world. We know that more than ever in the United States right now. And uh, second of all, it's just a matter of common sense. Like we cannot risk our lives just for the pleasure of your incredible companionship. And so often they're also very, very full of themselves. It's like, well, how dare you miss out on this opportunity to do stuff with me? And I'm so great. And I'm so this and I'm so that. And like, no, you're really not like you're one of many people right now. We really don't know anything about you. And so I think especially women who have some level of self-esteem and some level of self-confidence, they're not going to need the company of any one guy. And there will always be somebody else that, you know, will come along. Uh, and it's extremely valuable, I find, to be with someone who makes you feel safe. And it is extra sexy when a man does so proactively. Uh, and so this is exactly the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. Because hearing you say that too, I'm thinking about how it's such an important boundary to hold because of the people out there who are looking to test boundaries, to push boundaries and see what they can get away with, somebody with enough self-esteem to say, no, you know, I'm good. This is, I'm going to stick with my safety and what works for me. Then either that gets respected or, you know, the person gets mad and decides they don't want to see you. And, and that's no loss. As you said, there's so many fish in the sea, but if, they get you to change your mind by questioning you, go against your instincts and go against what makes you feel safe. They've learned that they can trample your boundaries. And so that's another really important reason to stick to it. Just say what a confident person would say, which would be, you know, when you, when you were saying, if a, if a person were to say to you, you'd rather miss out on this opportunity uh, because you're not being fair or equal here, I think I would say, would you rather miss out on this opportunity than uh, to just let me know your last name or to accept that, yes, I have different standards for me than you? Uh -huh. And as we mentioned earlier, it's about equity, not equality, because we are not dealing with an equal starting point. And men are, again, statistically speaking, well, obviously they're stronger on average, more likely to stalk, harass, engage in other bad behaviors. And so this is relevant for anyone who dates men to be aware of as a possible response is, no, it's not hypocritical. It's about equity rather than equality. So those will be some tips we could give you there. Yeah, absolutely. It really cannot be overemphasized how firmly uh, women need to hold the line here. And some of these 
men are incredibly good at making you doubt yourself and making you question. This is something we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about gaslighting in all kinds of forms uh, in future episodes also. But this is a form of gaslighting where they are making you think, am I am I really being unreasonable? Maybe I am over the top. And, and look, oh, look, this person has a respectable job. No lawyer would ever do something bad and risk his career or no investment banker. And let me tell you, yes, yes, they would. There are so many wolves in sheep's clothing. It doesn't matter how fancy their job is. It, nothing matters really, especially when you're meeting these people out of context where you don't know any people in common, that's when it gets especially tricky. Uh, so again, the good and bad of the apps, right? Yes, it's great that you get to meet people from other contexts, but safety is very important. And the number of men who will just invite people over for the first date, like this will be their, their opening bid is like, hey, you want to come to my place? Want to come watch a movie? Uh, anything like that? It's just, no, it's not acceptable. It's again, it's not attractive. And so I would say it needs to stop. So speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about first dates. We've chatted uh, in the past, you and I individually, about how different people have different preferences. Mine are pretty vanilla. I like to go somewhere that's like, you know, where you can talk, you know, maybe you have a drink or a coffee or something like that, but where you also have the opportunity of leaving if things don't really work out very well. There, you know, there are some women who think that a man not inviting you out for dinner for a, a first date is disrespectful and it shows he's being cheap. Well, what are your views on that? No, I don't think that. I actually agree with you. I'm pretty boring, I think, as far as first dates go. And my reasoning for it is really based on, I tend to feel like I can tell pretty quickly if I have chemistry with somebody. And so if I realize pretty early on that I don't think I do, I value my time and I'd rather not sit through a whole dinner. I'd rather do coffee or or drinks or something like that first, something small, shorter, just to feel out if we have that chemistry. And so again, pretty boring, but that's my thinking about it. I'm trying to think, I know in the earlier phases of COVID, I was dating and just a little and you had to get creative. And so I did go on a walk with somebody. Actually, that was pretty cool. We went on a walk at a beach. And so we drove separately, met up there, just walked down the beach, walked to where there was a restaurant so we could sit down and have food and drinks if we wanted to. But if we didn't, and he was really respectful and asked, you know, would you like to do this or would you like to walk back? And so I had the choice and I thought that was cool. But yeah, I'm pretty boring. I'm pretty much coffee or drinks for a first date. Have you heard stories of anyone who does interesting first dates or any other kind of preferences or rationales behind why somebody might do something else? Yeah, some people are really into activities that are a little more, uh, where there's a bit more movement involved, right? So like axe throwing or some kind of sport or 
it's not for me. Okay. Like I, I totally see why, like for some people, they find that the first day can be pretty awkward. And so this gives you something else to focus on. Some uh, people also like to see, is the other person going to be supportive if I'm not good at a sport or are they going to make fun of me? Uh, that's actually going to tell me something. So I totally understand the rationale for that. For me, like for you, it's more about uh, being, being able to get out of there, frankly, if things are not going well. But also, I want to be able to focus on the person. I don't want to focus on another activity. Like, I want to be able to have a conversation because that's also what I what is most important to me in a relationship. I want to be able to have lots of interesting conversations with the person. And so uh, given that, really, I think some of the more conservative things are better. I like what you said about kind of this option of starting off with something more more casual, more like drinks or a walk or something like that. But then there is the opportunity to do more. So if you hit it off, right, like you can, let's say you get a drink somewhere, you can always go for dessert or whatever somewhere else after that, right? So it's not like if the date is going well, it's not like anyone is going to make you go home early. So you always have the opportunity to, to prolong it but the reverse is harder. If you went out for dinner, you can't really say, although, you know what? I just remembered something. A couple of years ago, uh, my, my husband and I uh, went to dinner and there, was, uh, there were people there where it was pretty clear that they were on a first date. And so the you know, man and a woman, and you could tell the guy was super annoying. Uh, for a variety of reasons. And so they ordered a glass of wine and she went to the bathroom and I think she was gone for a good 20 minutes, oh, no. at least. I mean, she was gone for a very long time, but critical mistake, she had left her purse on the chair. So I kind of think she wanted to escape, but then kind of couldn't, right? Because she left her, left her stuff behind. She came back she then uh, made some kind of excuse about how she needed to leave. She never even touched her wine, okay? And she left. And then, now comes the kicker, then the guy says to the waitress, oh, I, she was already drunk when she got here. Mm. Which is nonsense. She was absolutely not, right? And so you could just tell what kind of person this guy was. And after he left, of course, in typical New York fashion, a bunch of us started talking to one another from different tables about what had just happened. So anyway, I thought that was a, you know, a fitting uh, anecdote to tell here on the topic of somebody realizing, oh no, I'm going to be stuck with this guy for an entire dinner and I must get out of here. Do you know what that also reminded me of? There was a time when I was dating where I, so I'm going to recommend this as a do not do, <laughs> but there was a time where I was dating where I kind of had a set place that I liked to go to for a first date, but I had gone on several first dates there and it got to the point where I was seeing the same hostess and she was seeing me come in with different people. And it did make me start realizing mm, maybe I shouldn't be quite so predictable or standard in where I'm going. So I would say do switch it up so that you're not at the same place, even if you like the same type of date. Yeah, I mean, what's important here is you really need to make uh, friends with the bartender or hostess or anyone there, because otherwise they might, you know, give away the fact that you've been there more than once. But that does bring us to another interesting point, which is that I think it is reasonable 
for the first date, for, uh, again, in a heterosexual situation, for the woman to expect the man to come uh, closer to her neighborhood rather than the other way around. And again, I'm going to go back to the principle of equity that you've uh, explained so well, Michelle, which is the following. We know that there are more uh, men than women on the apps that are interested in purely casual interactions. So on average, on average, a man going into this kind of encounter is probably already going to be less serious about this interaction than, again, the average woman with plenty of exceptions on both sides of this. So uh, that combined with the safety aspect that we are talking about, where one knows one's neighborhood better. And so it's usually the case that one knows, okay, this bar, I know how to get out of there, feel, things feel um, unsafe, etc. Like Those are all reasons that I think men should be understanding if asked to come to me closer to where the woman lives or where the woman works or something like that. Now, understanding on the part of the woman that you will still then need to take some steps if you don't want to give away where exactly you live. So that might mean showing up in separate cars, certainly, and like all sorts of things like that and not having the guy walk you home or anything like that. So there is that aspect. Or there might also be an expectation on the part of the guy of, oh, we're already in her neighborhood. That means we can go back to her place and hook up. And so one might have to disabuse a man of, of that notion. But I still think on average, on average, the there are advantages. And look, I'll tell you, I was stood up once on a date. It was the only time that ever happened to me. But I'm glad that that happened at somewhere near my home because that way I hadn't wasted as much time and I could just go home. Yeah, makes sense. So... We've talked about successful first dates and getting excited about what possibilities may come about if you're thinking that you really like this person. But we also talked about you don't want to read too much into it early on. So, Irina, do you have any ideas as to what to do or what you do, what you have done, you're married now, um, in order to not buy in hook, line, and sinker early on? So you're feeling the vibes, but you don't want to fall all in. You know, this is an excellent question. And I pretty much developed a bit of a mantra about this, which is a, a, perhaps a cynical one, but it is the thought nothing means anything. And here's what I'm trying to say by that. These early actions, early words, sweet looks into one's eyes, all of these things, they don't mean anything. Sure, it's better to have them than not to have them, like if there's just no chemistry at all. And by the way, I am of the view that if you hesitate after the first date, it usually does not make sense to go on a second date. At least for me, that has never, ever, ever been a good idea. Others might differ here, but I just tend to find that that doesn't go well. So, but let's say things are going well. It just doesn't mean that much. In the world of apps, in a world where you don't know how many people this person is dating, where you have not DTR, right, defined the relationship, you can't count on any of this stuff. And, and you can't assume that other people have the same values as you do. So you might think, well, I would never act the way this man is acting toward me if I wasn't serious about the person. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's you. That might not be how they handle it. So really continuing to have a rich life outside of dating is very, very important. Having a support network, 
really not making it all about the relationship with this person. And it's hard because everybody loves themselves some good infatuation and some good romantic chemistry. And that stuff is wonderful. And it's part of why we make this show because we want people to fall in love and be happy with each other and have these fun interactions. But at the same time, most of these things, most great first dates, great second, third, fourth, fifth dates will not actually turn into relationships that last years. And that's an important but sad fact to remember going forward. But it's also it's also good in the sense of it doesn't mean you did anything wrong if it doesn't work out. So and, and don't assume again, don't assume the other person is just dating you. Uh, this is, again, somewhat complicated in a COVID world. But uh, you should consider keeping your options open as long as the other person has not made any promise of exclusivity. And we'll definitely talk about how to handle that kind of conversation in a future episode as well. But that does get me thinking. So I didn't look this up. I'm, I'm going off the top of my head here. But I believe in literature, they say books begin, I think it's on medias reus, something like that. It means in the middle of things. And I think it's helpful to remember that when you're dating too, that you enter in the middle of things. This other person is most likely their life didn't begin and then they join the dating app and then they met you. There's other stuff going on as well. They may well be dating other people. In fact, I think it makes sense to assume they are unless they tell you otherwise. And so recognizing that even if they really like you a lot, it may be that they've already gone on more dates with somebody else, are more familiar with that person, or maybe even just figuring out how to wind it down with the other person now that they're interested in you. But, you know, there's a variety of things that could be going on that aren't just about you. Yes, whether this is going to develop into something is about you and is about you and them, but it's really about your compatibility. And so there's plenty of people out there, dating or friendship or colleagues, there's plenty of people out there that you're like, eh, I like you as a person. You're okay to spend some time with. But then when we really narrow it down to but what makes for a relationship, a dating relationship, it's not just about the compatibility. The compatibility is very important, but we're looking at just how compatible and across core values or just across things that are kind of fun for a time. And so you will go on some dates. I know you said it's kind of sad that it won't work out with everyone, but I guess that depends on how you look at it. As long as you recognize that not everyone who you have a nice date or couple of dates with is necessarily your person, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. You can be like, I'm going to have some fun along the way to finding my person. Enjoy some time with people who I am somewhat compatible with. And if you look at it in that kind of way, I think it is a little less heartbreaking if it doesn't actually work out. Yeah, and I think we're coming back here to some of the personality differences we have that we've <laughs> talked about before, where uh, some people just enjoy meeting a lot of new people and some, me. some people don't. <laughs> uh, and, and I do to, I do up to a point. No, I do up to a point, but this is where in the beginning, so during my year on the dating apps in the beginning it was much more like that it's just that after a while and again part of this is you know the jungle that is a uh, dating in new york city 
it's just that after a while it got tedious and where my time is valuable to me and where it just felt like, do I really want to know what this umpteenth person's hobbies are, etc. But this is why we're going to talk about filters. And I know so much more now than I did then about how you can filter people out earlier. And I think now there are also way more tools like people are much more likely to get, like you said, on a video chat or something like that. So there are tools to kind of save time and make sure you don't wear yourself out uh, in that sense. So we're going to go into some more of these topics down the line. One last thought I wanted to throw in before we close is that you should also keep in mind that you don't know anything about what the other person's standards are for entering a relationship. So some people actually don't want a relationship at all, but they will lie to you because they think they're going to get some casual interaction out of you that way. So that's one group. But there is another group, and this is not always fun to think about, but I think it's a reality because often like women will say to each other like, oh, that guy just didn't want relationships at all. Well, sometimes, but sometimes that person does want a relationship, but it's not with you. And it can be brutal and maybe the standards are unfair, but some people really are looking for their, you know, manic pixie dream girl, right? Their, their Hollywood ideal or someone who can project that. And, and it's not always, again, it's not always going to be fun because it's going to have to do with looks. It's going to have to do with uh, sometimes being, remember when we talked about somebody being very feminine in the sense of submissive. Uh, so it might have to do with that. And so you will, depending on your personality and whatever other characteristics, you will never be that thing. You will never be that thing person wants, but that's okay because there's somebody else for you out there and you have no way of knowing how this person's you know, relationship will work out with, frankly, with anybody. But it is the nature of the game and you just have to move on to, to the next fish. And it's fine, as you said, because you want somebody who wants you. You're not going to be happy in a relationship with somebody who wants something other than you or for you to be something that you're not. So while it hurts to get rejected, it really is for the best. If the person didn't see the value in you or feel that you were the most compatible person for them, then you aren't. And if they didn't see the value in you, then that's on them. Somebody else will. So while it can be hard, don't be discouraged. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate it five stars so that others have a chance to listen to it as well. And make sure to subscribe so that you can get our future episodes. You can become a part of our community by joining the Strangers on the Internet Facebook group or following us at Swipe Strangers on Twitter or on Instagram. I would like to thank my husband, Carlos Farini, for sound editing, as well as Vlad Kujuklu for permission to use his music for this podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye.